This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. You'll remember that in the last message, and if you didn't get to hear it, you can go and listen to it online. I would encourage you to do that, because when we talk about this matter of fear, everything that God has said in His Word about this subject is important. We learn that fear is always a direct result of sin. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they ran, they hid, they were fearful. We saw that the words fear not are often repeated in Scripture by the Lord Jesus, Timothy, the Apostle John, others. And yet despite the command to fear not, many do fear. And when they fear, the result is often that they run, they move, escape would perhaps be a better word there, and neglect responsibility. In fact, we're going to touch on that again tonight uh, because we're going to see that fear will push you away from doing what God has called you to do. That's part of Satan's game plan. Make you afraid, and so you stop fulfilling your responsibilities before the Lord. Last time we saw when fear is not wrong, fear is something in, in a in the right context that God has created in us, for instance, a healthy respect for danger, but then also a healthy respect for God. And as we study the scripture, fear the Lord is found 160 times in the Bible and refers to having an awesome respect for the Lord. In fact, this fear is the beginning of right thinking, of wisdom. Uh, Solomon said in Ecclesiastes, it's the whole duty of man to fear God. Now, we don't live in dread of Him like other religions. You go to some of these other countries and our missionaries serve there and they so fear whoever, uh, they, Allah. They live in fear of Allah. Well, that's, that's not, he's not the God of the Bible, right? He's not the true God of heaven. Uh, but they fear that. They fear spirits. They, they fear angry ancestors, whatever. And so, so they cower and, and they serve, hoping that there won't be some kind of retribution. That's not what we're talking about. It's loving and reverencing God, as the scripture teaches, to the point where we love him so much we just don't want to offend him. We don't want to hurt him. And so we make wise choices. We obey his word. But tonight we want to continue looking at when fear is wrong. When instead of gripping God, only fearing the Lord and serving Him with all of our heart. Instead of that, we allow the wrong kind of fear to creep into our lives. So when is fear wrong? In your outline, you'll see there, letter A, fear of man who is changing over God who is unchanging. 
Fear of man who changes over God who does not change. He's immutable. God can be depended on to be God all the time, right? And so Proverbs 29, 25 says this, The fear of man brings a snare. If you fear man, you're going to have a difficult time. Emotionally, there's going to be instability. Uh, there's going to be fear. And that fear is often motivated by the following. All right, so how do we see fear causing people to withdraw Fear of man to not follow the Lord. Here are some ways that fear can influence us. Number one, persecution. Persecution. If you want to write down this reference, Luke 22, verses 54 to 62. That's the account of where Peter, who said to the Lord, I will never deny you. Jesus is arrested. He's taken to Caiaphas' house. And you'll remember, and again, I give Peter credit for this, he stayed right with the Lord, as did the apostle John, or John the disciple, later to be the apostle. All right, they're right there. But what did the Lord say? Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. And so they're sitting out there around a fire, the servants of Caiaphas, others, and there's Peter. And somebody recognizes Peter. Weren't you with... Uh, no, don't know him. Happened not once, not twice. It happened three times, and the third time he blasphemes for emphasis. And the cock crows. Now, what was the problem? Well, Peter was fearful for his own life. He didn't know what was going to happen, did he? And yet, because of persecution, he withdrew in fear. He failed the Lord. Here's what else happens when we fear man over God. Number two, lost praise or position. Lost praise or position. And a, probably one of the best examples in scripture of this is in John 12, 42 and 43, where we read this about the chief rulers. The scripture says, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him, on Christ. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they be put out of the synagogue. Then it says this, for they love the praise of man over the praise of God. Lost praise or position. Well, how is it going to affect me if I speak up for the Lord, if I fear the Lord and reverence Him and follow Him? What's going to happen to my position? What's going to happen to how people think of me? And fear can motivate a teenager to run with a crowd. A safe teen, run with those that, that don't know the Lord or aren't living for God either, can cause someone in the workplace to have a poor testimony or no testimony at all. Why? Because if I'm going to move up, I just have to be careful about what men think. And of course, you, the, those of you that are in the military, is there any pressure in the military out of fear? To cave, maybe back away, not be vocal for the Lord? Certainly there is. 
But that would be an example of the wrong kind of fear. Here's another one, number three, lost possessions. Lost possessions. Well, what's it going to cost me materially if I really reverence the Lord, stay true to Him? What can man do to me? Well, I might not get that promotion. I might not get that raise. Again, an example in Scripture, Genesis 26 and verse 7. You'll remember that Isaac and Rebekah and their, uh, their servants, they move into the area of Gerar, which is Philistine area. Uh, the king is Abimelech. And Isaac repeats the failure of his father. He says, now look, dear wife Rebekah, you're beautiful, and they may decide that to take you, they have to kill me. And so when we get there, just tell them you're my sister. And so because of fear, he lied. Now here's what we know from that account. Can God take care of us despite our fears? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. So here is a patriarch in Israel who is living under the umbrella of the Abrahamic covenant. And what did God say? Through you all nations of the earth will be blessed, Abraham. Those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse them. And so here's the patriarch. He goes in there. They do take Rebekah just like he feared, but he didn't help because he didn't tell the truth. And what does God do? He curses the Philistines. And when it begins to happen, then Abimelech comes to Isaac and says, what have you done? So God proves that he is worthy to be praised and feared. We can trust him. We can fear him over all the other fears because he's in control. But fear of lost possessions. In this case, a relationship. Again, we can fear that our stuff will get taken or that our friends will be taken. And so, instead of fearing the Lord, fear drives us to go perhaps against the Lord. So fear of man who changes over God who is unchanging. Who would you rather fear and serve? That which is undependable or God who is always dependable? Now, letter B, here's another time that fear is wrong. Fear of the temporal, that's the unpredictable, over the eternal, which is predictable. Again, fear of the temporal, the unpredictable, over the eternal, which is predictable. 2 Corinthians 4.18, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Do you understand that everything that your eyes, my eyes can look on here, it's going away? It's going away. But when you look to heaven and you see through the eyes of faith what the scripture says is in fact there, 
and you live for what is there that's not going to change as opposed to what's here that is going to change, well, we need to fear God. We need to trust Him for the future and look at the things that are not seen. But wrong fear fears the temporal, what is unpredictable. So there are some common things that we fear that we don't need to. We talked about a healthy fear. If I'm walking in the desert and I hear a rattle and I see a snake, I need to go the other way. But there are some things that we fear. We, we don't need to fear common things. For example, I hope I don't offend anyone when I say this. But when the doctor gets out a syringe and you see a needle, it's going to be okay. They're going to poke you, put some things. Some of you are shaking your head. No, Pastor, you don't understand. Well, for you, when you wake up, it's over, right? Okay, all right. But you know what? A needle. Whereas if you were thinking about something else and he poked you, you'd be fine. How about mice? All right, now, probably not healthy to have them running around your house. Take care of the problem. But if you see one, you're going to be okay. Mice. What else? Well, flying or close places. So I'm, I'm claustrophobic. I, I feel like things are moving. No, it's not moving, but that's fear. Now, we're going to come back to that, but there are common things that are temporal. Yes, unpredictable. But sometimes we give in to that fear over the eternal and what is predictable. How about calamity, number two? This would be sudden fear. Proverbs 3.25, Be not afraid of sudden fear, neither of the desolation of the wicked when it cometh. By the way, that passage encourages me because I know our country is ripe for judgment. And it could happen any time, sudden fear. Should you and I fear that? Not according to the Lord. I don't need to be afraid about sudden fear or when God chooses to judge the wicked. Because if I'm not wicked, God's in control. He is just. I get, I get very encouraged when I read about the lives of men like Daniel, Jeremiah, men who lived at a time when God predicted, promised certain judgment. And what did God do? He sustained them. He took care of them. And by the way, I love the attitude of the Hebrew children. O king, we're not going to be careful to answer you in this matter. If you throw us into the fiery furnace, our God can take care of us. But if he chooses not to, it's okay. But we're not going to worship your God, your idol. And what does the Lord do through that account? He shows us, you know what, they can toss you into a, a fiery furnace. But you stay true to me and the Lord will join you there and it will be just fine. So calamity. How about a confederacy? A confederacy. 
What is a confederacy? When a host gathers against us. Part of the problem with that is we don't always even know who's for us and who's against us when it comes to other people. And you hear this and you hear this and, and all of a sudden your mind can begin to think, you know, it looks like I'm, I'm gaining more enemies than I am friends. My friends are leaving me. That, that can happen. And the fear of, well, who is on my side? It's a real fear. That's a confederacy. Isaiah 8, 12 and 13, when people say this, there's a confederacy, it's used right in the passage, don't fear their fear, nor be afraid. What a comfort that is. So consider with me the example of David. He's not king yet. He's public enemy number one. He has done nothing wrong, but a king and his army are hunting for that guy like a criminal. A confederacy? David wasn't sure who was on his side and who wasn't. In fact, every time David goes someplace to get help, he finds another enemy. He can't even go to the tabernacle and talk to the priests without a character named Doeg seeing him and turning him in. There was a period where David couldn't even go to his family because he just wasn't sure who was on his side. Don't fear their fear. What does David's life prove to us? That even if there is a confederacy... If God be for us, who can be against us? And then number four, a conspiracy. Again, the thought, the people are out to get me. Now, for those who are unbelievers, this, this is a fear that you're not going to be able to stop because you don't have God's help to stop. It. Not unless you turn to the Lord. We look back in the Old Testament, Genesis 4.14 at Cain. What was Cain's complaint? What was his fear after he killed his brother? Everybody who finds me is going to what? They're going to try to kill me. Whether true or not, that was his fear because he wasn't right with the Lord. That just proves what Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no man pursues. But then it goes on to say this, but the righteous are bold as a lion. See, if you're not right with God, there's going to be fear here. And the wicked flee when no man pursues it. You can look at, at Scripture, you can find examples of that. People that are always looking over their shoulder, they're always wondering who's out to settle a score or whatever. <clears throat> that comes with sin. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. They don't need to uh, fear a conspiracy, confederacy, calamity, or even common things. So fear is wrong when those temporal, unpredictable things overrule what is predictable, overrule the eternal. Now let her see. This is when fear is wrong as well, when fear is used to manipulate others. And you can see there in the notes, one spouse says to another spouse, if you don't do such and such, 
I will do this. Manipulation is wrong. It's sin. And it's you using fear to get your way. That's also wrong. You say, well, isn't that what God does when God says, if you don't do such and such, I will do this. No, God's not manipulating. He's telling you what's going to happen. There's a big difference. All right, so these are examples of when fear is wrong. Let's close tonight by looking now at how to overcome fear. And I'm so thankful that the Scripture teaches us on how to grip God and let go of fear. How to overcome fear. Someone has said, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. You can fear. Okay? Well, I, I, I'm, I'm on high alert. I'm, I'm afraid. No, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Unbiblical worry, fear, anxiety can, in fact, pull a person down and make him or her unusable to the Lord. Praise God, fear can be overcome. If you're struggling tonight with gripping God in your fear, here is the practical help from God that I believe can help you. All right, first of all, letter A, deal with known guilt. Let me give you a, a principle. Fear is guilt's baby. Fear is guilt's baby. We can see this throughout the scripture. Consider these applications. If you'll turn in your Bibles now, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, notice verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, speaking of Christ, likewise took part of the same. Jesus became flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So for the unsaved, you need to turn to Christ and let Him deliver you from your sin and your guilt. See? We're all born in sin. We're all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And when we sin, what God has built into us is an alarm system called guilt. Psychology will tell you it's not real. Ignore it. You know, drown it with with drugs, whatever, okay? Just, just don't take it seriously. No, no, no. It's the alarm system. God put it there. Where there's sin, the alarm's going to go off. Why? Because God wants you to respond to the fire. He wants you to get that out of your life. When lust conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished, it leads to death. Brings forth death. All right. So the Lord Jesus stepped into... Our existence. Literally, he became a man. And in his flesh, he experienced all the testing that we do. Yet, 
without sin. Let me ask you a question tonight. Did Jesus experience fear, yes or no? Are you sure? If he was tempted in every point as we are yet without sin, he had to experience fear. And in fact, we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane, he sweated drops of blood because of the anxiety and the pressure of what he knew as all-knowing God was before him. And so what did he do? <laughs> he submitted to the Father. Nevertheless, and this is fearing the Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Lord, I want this. Father, I want this cup to pass from me, but not my will, thy will be done. And so those who are in sin, fearful of the consequences of sin, and by the way, you should be fearful. Don't, don't fear him who can kill the body. You need to fear the one who can cast body and soul into hellfire. Fear him. And so you need to come to the Lord realizing that he loves you. He wants to save you, rescue you. Admit to God that you're a sinner. And then believe in what Jesus did on the cross, that he took the penalty for your sin on himself. He died. He shed his blood. He paid your sin debt. And here's what he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be rescued. Come to him tonight. Deal with the known guilt that you're lost. Let him deliver you and give you eternal life. We could take time right now for testimonies. And maybe you'll share a testimony like this on Tuesday night. But the reality is for, for those of us who are saved, we remember putting our faith in Jesus Christ and what went away? Guilt and fear. I don't know how many... Christians, I've heard say, oh, when I got saved, my, my soul was flooded with peace. The guilt, the fear was gone. So, deal with known guilt if you're unsaved. How about we as believers? Well, you look at your uh, number two there for the believer. Look at letter A. Confess sin to God and the appropriate people. I'm so glad that 1 John 1, 9 is in the, in the Bible. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from, say it with me, all unrighteousness. When the sin is taken care of and the guilt is gone, so is the fear. Sometimes that means that we have to go to others and make that right. Matthew 5, 23 and 24 if you come to the altar with your gift and you remember that you've got aught with a brother, you need to leave your gift. Go and make that right. Be reconciled to your brother. Confess sin to God. If you are in the habit of keeping short accounts with God and when you sin, you immediately respond to the Lord. Get that right. Confess that to him. You know what God's going to take away? He's going to take away the guilt and he's going to take away the fear. And again, you can then go on and be bold. A righteous person, bold as a lion. Confess sin to God and the appropriate people. Let her be. Yield again to the spirit of Christ. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit. 
and you won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And by the way, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit, as we're yielded to Him, is love, joy, and what's next? Peace. You know, peace and fear don't exist together. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, temperance, meekness, and faith. Against such there is no law. Yield again to the Spirit of Christ. Letter C. Pray every time the heart is anxious and think the truth. How to overcome fear? Every Christian ought to memorize Philippians 4, 6-8. I'm not going to have you raise your hands, but do you have that text committed to memory? Here's what it says. Be anxious for nothing. The word in our King James, be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. So how do I keep from being anxious? Here's God's formula. But in everything, not most things, in everything, prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Do you know when it's time to pray? Well, you should be praying always. But anytime you, f- you feel a twinge of fear, anxiety, time to pray. So God's formula is this. Pray. This is how I remember it. Plead supplication. Sometimes you're going to have to pray longer and plead with the Lord. And third, praise with thanksgiving. You try this sometime. The next time you're fearful, get alone with God and just start thanking Him for all the things that He's done for you. Just start trying to recount everything, the great things that the Lord has done for you. Here's what's going to happen. Your fear is going to dissipate. You're going to be reminded, you know what? God did all these things. He is so faithful. He is so powerful. Why am I afraid? Prayer. Pleading. Praise, and what does he promise? Peace that passes all what? Understanding. So let's think of some examples in the scripture. Paul is on a ship in the Aegean. The sun hasn't shone for days. They're going to die. And by the way, all the sailors are talking about it. We're dead. Paul goes to sleep at night. And the Lord meets with him and he says, you're not going to die. Everybody's got to stay on this vessel. Middle of the night, Paul gets up and he says to everybody, I've heard from the Lord. We're not going to die. So you all take take a break here and let's have dinner. They all eat. Some wanted to get off the ship, and he says, no, 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 those guys getting in the lifeboat don't want to do that. So the centurion, who's thinking, I should have listened to this guy to begin with, takes out a sword, he whacks the ropes of the lifeboat, and it's gone. Now nobody's getting off the ship. Paul didn't fear. And his life as a missionary. By the way, Pastor Long reminded us of this in our lesson this morning. It was so good. 
When people in anxious times look at Christians and we don't have fear but we have peace, do you think they're going to be drawn to our God? Of course. And everybody on that ship that night in the dark with whatever light their lanterns could show them, they took courage. Yes, they ran aground and everybody survived. A miracle of God. But Paul had peace. Explain that. Prayer, pleading, praising, and peace that doesn't make any sense. This ship's going down, but I can still have peace. God's going to preserve me. Now, that's not all that Philippians 4 teaches, and then we get to verse 8. In fact, I want you to go, if you'll go over there with me, let's just take a quick look at verse 8. Let's make sure that we see this whole list. Now, along with praying... Pleading, praising, so that you can have peace. You're going to have to think only some certain things. Because in those anxious times, your thoughts can beat you senseless. You know what I mean? What if? What if? And what if? What if is if. Are you following me? And... And we can just, ah, and we can build this case in our minds. So the Lord says, all right, guard what you think. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. What's true about your circumstances? What's true about your God? What's true about what he said? Whatsoever things are honest. I love this next one. Whatsoever things are just. You know, people can say all kinds of things against us and make us nervous and anxious. But what is true, honest, and just? Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report. Let me just stop for a moment. Well, let's go on. If there be any virtue, uh, anything that reminds you of what is excellent, there be any praise. Well, who alone deserves praise? God. Think on these things. In the Greek language, the end of verse 8, do you know what's telling us? The way that's structured in the original, only think these things. Say, are you telling us what to think? No, God is. You think outside of that box and you are in trouble. If I think out of that box... I'm in trouble. Going back to the examples we gave earlier of wrong, <laughs> wrong fear. Do you know what a lot of that is? I don't know if there's a conspiracy. I don't know what's happening out there. God does, but if I want to believe the worst, my flesh wants to help me with that. Don't believe the worst. Trust God. And that's going to help you have peace. Peace in the midst of your storm. But moving on. For a believer, confess, yield, pray. But even beyond that, and here's, here's what is so important from the scripture. Letter B, develop a love relationship with Christ. Do you know Christians can have a relationship with Christ and not ever develop a love relationship with Christ? If you think your Christian life is a list of rules and you're a good Christian, if you keep rules, you've missed it. 
I could take you to Revelation chapter 2, and we could read about a church called Ephesus. They were keeping all the rules, and they were identifying those that weren't. And the Lord said, I've got something against you. What is it? You've left your first love for me. I just want you to love me. I want you to fellowship with me. Develop a love relationship with Christ. Now, we know how this works naturally. Look at that first bullet. Naturally, natural love overcomes fear. And so, I told you about one of those, one of those things that people fear is flying. In one of the church, other churches that I pastored, we had a dear lady there. Her name was Laura. Laura was terrified of flying. Okay, maybe you are. You do know it's safer to be in an airplane than in a car, especially if you live in Hampton Roads. But anyway, besides that, okay. She was afraid of flying. They were, as a family, on vacation in Ocean City, New Jersey. They had a little girl, and, and the little girl was running around. They were on vacation, and the little girl was running around and tripped and fell on one of these end tables, the glass top. And when she fell, she caught the edge of that table right here. Went down, jumped up, crying. Okay, kids banged themselves, right? Okay. What they didn't realize is she started to develop a hematoma. And it kept growing and growing. It wasn't long, and that little girl was blacked out and on the floor. Where they're at in that part of New Jersey, there's not a good hospital to deal with that. And so they rushed her to the closest hospital. The medical staff, including doctors, looked at her and said, there is nothing we can do. We've got to get her to Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And so they called in Flight for Life. They got in there, they loaded up that little girl, and they said to mom, do you want to ride with us to the hospital? Guess who got on the helicopter? Why? I love my little girl. I'm not, I'm not going to leave her. Natural love will cause us to do things that will overcome our fears. Okay, the same principle is true. Look at your next bullet spiritually. Love for Christ overcomes all fear. Again, Romans 8.31, If God be for us, who can be against us? You need to have a love for Christ. So how does that work? Well, again, as salvation, Jesus becomes the believer's first love. He loved me. He died for me. He gave himself. Some of you need to believe that about your Lord. He loves you. He proved it. He died for you. Well, I, I, I'm just afraid that, you know, I, I mess up. Nobody's perfect and he's, no, no, no. Go to your Bible and read about your God. He loves you. He'll never leave you. Your value is not based on your performance. It's based on his sacrifice. And so we should love him. 
This love removes the fear of judgment, the stinger of death that we saw earlier. As the Christian matures in love for Christ, that perfect love casts out fear, and that fear has torment. Again, our word phobia, but it casts it out. And that Christian's faith, trust, increases until he or she actually looks forward to death while willingly facing threats for Christ. We brought this out in the lesson this morning in our adult Bible fellowship, and we're just about done. We were reminded in the lesson this morning that God allows Christians, and I'll just use the synonymous word missionaries, to suffer so that the world sees what our God can do for us in suffering, giving us peace, giving us hope and courage. And when they see that, then they want our God because there isn't a person that walks on this planet that doesn't face fearful things. And so Paul and Silas get beaten in Philippi. A time that would be anxious. We could die in this dungeon. Instead, that night, what are they doing? They're praising God. And I think for a while, probably, there's an annoyed jailer because he's trying to sleep and these guys won't be quiet. And then there's an earthquake. Earthquakes were common in the Roman world. In fact, you can go to cities in Israel. We're going to, those of you that travel to Greece and Turkey with us, you're going to see most of these cities at some time or another were hit with an earthquake. And it's a scary time because in an earthquake, you have no place to hide. And the doors of the prison come open, and this jailer thinks, I'm dead. These, these prisoners are going to bolt, and if they escape, I pay with my life. But in the back of his mind, he has been hearing these Christian missionaries who, who he helped beat. And they're singing, they're rejoicing, there's no fear, there's no anxiety, they have peace. And, I, and I, I, we kind of laughed about this in my class this morning. He's thinking, you know, I hit him on the back, I didn't hit him on the head. Now, are these guys loony? What, you know, what in the world? They're praising God, and then the earthquake happens? And what's his solution to fear? Pull out his sword, and I'm just going to end it right now. Somehow, God preserved enough light in that dungeon for Paul to see what was happening and cried out, don't harm yourself, we're all here. And the man comes in and he, he kneels. These guys are still in stocks. He kneels in there next to them and he says, men, what must I do to be saved? How did he even know about that? He'd been listening to these, these characters sing all night. He comes to Christ. He takes these two home. He bandages them up, feeds them probably. And his whole family is saved. All right. Wow. If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's close by turning to Romans 8. Romans chapter 8. 
I'm so thankful that as a Christian, I don't need to turn to a bottle of painkillers, sleeping pills, bottle of alcohol, or any of that. I can turn to my God. He's always there. Romans 8, chapter 15, or chapter 8, look at verse 15. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to what? Fear. But ye have received the spirit of adoption. When you got saved, you received all the full rights of a child of God. Say, well, I've only been saved a couple months, a couple weeks. You know, you have all the full rights of any other child of God. Every promise in the Bible to Christians, to the church, is to you. Whereby, based on that, we don't have that spirit of fear anymore. We cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And then Paul says, in light of all of this, for I reckon that the suffering of this present time, sufferings, I'm sorry, this present time, are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Do you realize that whatever you fear here, again, it's suffering for a short time, but it cannot be compared with the glories, the rest, the everlasting peace that you and I are going to know in Jesus' presence. In fact, we're going to have such dim memories of whatever happened here, our minds aren't even going to want to go back to it. Though the believer must fear God, all other God, ungodly fears should be a thing of the past. In your mind, don't tolerate that wrong fear. As sons and daughters with full rights, we cry, Abba. What does that mean? My dear father. My earthly father is with my father in heaven. When my father, earthly father, died, he proved he couldn't always be there when I wanted to pick up the phone and call him. Or visiting. But I'm so thankful I have a perfect father in heaven. And when fear comes in, I can remember hollering at night, Dad, I think there's somebody under my bed. I was only about this big. Okay. And he'd come in, and there would go the fear. Why? Well, he's bigger than what's ever under my bed. But I've got a God in heaven that's bigger than everything. And whatever fear comes in, I can cry, My dear Father, unto him, knowing that I can hold on to him, we can hold on to him, and have nothing to fear. John Wesley said this, if I had 300 men who feared nothing but God, hated nothing but sin, and were determined to know nothing among men but Jesus Christ and him crucified, I would set the world on fire. Why do I end with that? Because I want to remind the church tonight we're here on a mission. We're surrounded by people who are spiritually blind in darkness and afraid. 
Satan would love to make you afraid, have you return to those, those elements of bondage. Don't let him. We're on a mission. The gates of hell can't prevail against us. Let's be faithful. Let's set aside ungodly fear. Let's, lo let's love God supremely so that that fear is cast out. And let's go to a world that's fearful and introduce them to the one who can bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So tonight my admonition is grab hold of God and let wrong fear go. If you're holding on to God, you have no reason to hold on to fear. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truths that so encourage us. In fearful days, uh, Lord, the last days, fearful times are going to come. You warned us. And yet we need not fear. And as we sang tonight together, what a, what a wonderful song. How can I fear? Jesus is near. He ever watches over me. So help us to yield to you. And Father, tonight, as we have this invitation time, help us to commit our hearts to you and to let go of fear as we hold on to your truth and who you are as our great Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.